the series How to Live Through a Bad Day is based on a book by the same title, How to Live Through a Bad Day, by Dr. Jack Hayford, a, a world-renowned, spirit-filled pastor and, and preacher. And it's about the seven final statements of Christ on the cross. And even in living His worst day, I told you this last week, it's amazing that even living His worst day, the worst day that He had lived on earth, His last days on earth, those about 12 hours or so of some of His worst days, He's still teaching us. He's carrying the sin of the world, the past and present and future sins of the world. But He's still teaching you and I how to, how to live through our worst days. What a God that is that even while sort of enduring all of that pain and suffering, He's still teaching you and I how to live through our last days. and or our worst, Not our last days, my Lord. How to live through our worst days. And I hope it's not your last day. Everybody, how to live through our worst days and our bad days. And these seven statements, you have to go to all of the Gospels to find them. Uh, that's actually, it's called The Harmony of the Gospels. It's actually a book by the, by the same title, The Harmony of the Gospels. And it's all four Gospels kind of put, to, you know, put into one book so that you can kind of get all of the glimpse of the stories that all four of those Gospel writers wrote together. And so you have to go to all four of them to find all seven statements. Today we're going to dive into one. This is our theme verse uh, for this series. It's found in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the second verse. It says this, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Anybody can begin, but the world belongs to the finishers. Amen, everybody? Like how many of you began uh, going to the gym at the first part of the year? Where are you at? How many of you, how many of you still go after that <laughs> after the week? One or two of you. Bless you both. The rest of us just pay that membership so that you'll, you'll see that. Literally, I've lived in San Antonio two and a half years. I have membership to a gym that doesn't exist in this suburb. And I pay it every single month just so you can see the tag on my key ring and make it think I go to the gym. I don't, but don't tell anybody else. Anyways, it doesn't belong to those who start a diet or start going to the gym or start believing God and, and their faith in God. It belongs to the finishers, those who finish this race. Well, how do you do that? How do you live through the bad day? Not just start out full of faith. How do you finish your bad day full of faith? Well, we're going to study how Jesus did it. We're going to study how He did it. Because He never lost sight of where He was headed. And honestly, that's the problem most people get in their bad days is they lose sight of where they're headed. You lose sight of the finish line, it's easy to get up in the middle of it. And I meet so many people in the middle of their bad days who decide to give up before they finish. They lose sight of where they're headed. They lose sight of the for better or worse. Amen, everybody? And it gets worse before it gets better. Let me let you know a little secret. Or in sickness and in health. And they get right in the middle in between sickness and health. And they're like, I'm done with this. I didn't know I was going to have to take care of this. Or, or, or in the middle of a financial crisis. And they just think, I'm just going to give up. Or in the middle of just questions. And I don't have all the answers for it. And they give up. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't lose sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. And in light of that, here's really my prayer for you in this series is that he, he could put up with anything. That he could live through his worst day. The cross, the shame, whatever. And now he's seated, seated at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, making intercession for us, that place of honor, right alongside God. And so last week, the first message in the series, we talked about the first thing you got to do if you're going to live through your bad day is the first statement Jesus made of the cross. The cross you know, sort of hoist him up. And the first thing out of his mouth is, Father, forgive them. Found in the book of Luke, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't, they don't even realize that. We said, if you're going to live through your bad day, you're going to have to learn how to forgive everybody who's trying to ruin your life. Everybody, like everybody. Everybody who's trying to ruin your life. The people in the past, the people you currently live with, the people you're sitting beside. Come on, y'all look straight at me. That are trying to ruin your life. That are just, you're going to have to learn how to forgive the hurt of the past and the pain of the past. You will not live through your bad day if you, if you don't learn how to forgive. And the first thing you have to learn how to do 
is forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. The second thing we said is that right in the middle of your struggle, we said this Wednesday night, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your worst day, Jesus sort of looks beside him. He's on a cross in between two criminals who deserve to be there, by the way. And, and he helps one of them. He says to them, today, assuredly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. That, that if you're going to live through your bad day, the easiest way for you to do it, the best way for you to do it is to help somebody else, help somebody who's experiencing the same struggle you are. That maybe even the reason you're in the struggle you're in is so that you can help somebody else who's experiencing the same struggle that you are. And today we're going to look at, at, at one of the statements that Jesus made on the cross that is only found in the book of John, the Gospel of John. If you're new to the Bible, John's the fourth of the Gospels. It is the only not, it's not a synoptic Gospel, which means there are stories there that don't appear in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There are stories that appear in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that don't appear in John. John wrote his gospel. I really love the gospel of John because John would write a lot about himself. All the stories that John told make John look good. You know anybody that tells stories like that about high school football? Come on, somebody. Like Uncle Rico kind of stuff. Like, I got, I'll got, i show you the tape. Like, I, I got film on this. Like, I, this is as good as it's ever been. I promise you. John would tell stories about Jesus, but it would always be kind of, you know, it made him look good. And this story, even at the cross, John sort of tells us. And he writes about himself in third person, which I think is just fantastic. Mitch is going to now read it to you on the screen. This is so good. I, I love how he does this. John says, near the cross of Jesus... Near the cross, close to the cross, stood his mother, Mary, and his mother's sister, and Mary, the wife of Clopas, which, by the way, if you're pregnant with a boy, Clopas, put that on the list. Good name. Excellent name for a boy. Strong name, Clopas. Nobody else in kindergarten is going to have that name, everybody. <laughs> and Mary Magdalene. Now, you'll notice there's three Marys here. I contest that, that they started a small group that if your name's Mary, you can be in my group. That's what I think happened. I don't know why that is. Or maybe they just they weren't very creative in that day, and it's like, I don't know, your girl, let's go with Mary. Anyway, so there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary, the wife of Clopas, and there's Mary Magdalene, all three different. And there's four women at the cross. Let me just stop right here and tell you, if you grew up in a church that doesn't believe in women in ministry, you don't believe in the New Testament. Because more often than not, at the crucifixion of Christ, at the resurrection of Christ, women are there first. Women carry the gospel. Amen, everybody. All the men are at home hiding right now. All the men disciples are right now scared to death that they're going to get crucified. All the women are like, i got to go see my baby. Where's he at? Come on, girls, let's go. And they just get the girls in the suburban and go. Mary's like, let's load up all the Marys. Call, call your girls. Let's go. Men are at home just you're trying not to get crucified and... Here they all are. And then this is when John starts talking about himself in third person. I love this about John. And the disciple whom he loved. That's him. That's John. Standing nearby. And Jesus from the cross says to her. The her is his mother, Mary. The first one he talked about. Woman, here is your son. And he points to John. And to the disciple, John, talking about himself in third person. Here is your mother, Mary. And from that time on, the disciple John, who's writing about himself, took her, took his mother into his own home. On his worst day, in the middle of all of the pain, on the cross, living through what was the worst time of his life, there are some people that are closest to him 
Mary Magdalene, who we have a, a unique relationship with, Mary, his mother, Mary, the wife of Clopas, for whatever reason, they're, they're close to him. And then John, the disciple, is there. And he says to them all, he said, you guys are close. And here's the big idea. If you're going to live through your bad day, listen close. Not only do you have to learn how to forgive everybody who's ruining your life. Not only are you going to have to learn how to help somebody who's experiencing the same struggle you are. But on your bad day, be sure to take care of those who are near you. Be sure you've taken care of those who are closest to you. Be sure you take care of those who you say, well, Pastor, who's the closest to me? Look around you right now. Look at that, look at that person that drove you to church. That's probably who we're talking about. That lady who made you eggs and bacon this morning, where you at? Come on, man. Or, or at least got you Mary's tacos. Where are we at on that? They're not open on Sundays, are they? They're not open on are they? Why didn't I get one then? Why did Eric? Why didn't you bring me one? <laughs> uh, I just assumed they weren't. That's the person I'm talking about, the person that's closest to you. If you're going to live through your bad day, here's, listen, here's a better big idea. Listen to this. I didn't write this in your notes, but listen to this. Instead of taking it out on them, make sure you've taken care of them. Because on my worst days, let me just be honest, I'm preaching to Mitch today. I'm letting you in on the message I'm preaching to myself. You just happened to overhear today. What, what, this is all about me. On my worst days, I tend to neglect the people who are closest to me and take it out on them instead of taking care of them. And here Jesus is on His worst day in His worst hour, and He's taking care of those who are near Him. It may not be your worst day today. It may just be a bad day. Honestly, it may not, it may not be crucifixion in your life. It may just be an email. You ever got an email or a text message? I got one the other night at 11.25 p.m. on Friday night. I got a text message, and I thought, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm going to start having a bad day before it's even the next day. Like, I'm going to have a bad night, everybody. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to have a bad. I've decided I'm going to have a bad everything right now. Maybe it's a bad email from work. You got... You know, you, you get home from work and you get that one phone call. You get that, you know, that just, man, it, it just ruins everything. I lost the deal or, or you know, things fell through or I thought it was going to go this way or maybe somebody cut you off. How many of you know I-10 that will, will, will try your salvation? Where you at on that, everybody? You bet it will. You bet it will, especially this interchange right here by the church. I think they're paving it with gold. I, that's what I believe. They're, they're trying to give you a glimpse of heaven that it, it's taken forever, and there's going to be gold underneath that asphalt. And, and if you work at, for TexDOT or you, or you build roads or whatever, I love you, but let me tell you something. I almost took out some of your partners. I'm being honest with you. There have been times in my life when I wanted to run just right over them. I just wanted to send them on to heaven. You're, you're going to be working on this until you die, so I'm going to help you move, on, move right on to heaven right now. That's how angry I am at this. I'm trying to get somewhere and I can't get anywhere. Or somebody cuts you off on I-10. Nobody knows how to merge. Come on, everybody. Nobody, nobody knows how to get on the interstate. And they cut you off and then they give you that sweet Texas wave. You know with that one uh, finger. Not this one. And, and you think, man, I'm just trying to get to work. I'm just trying to get to church. I'm just trying. I ain't trying to deal with you today. And then there's this road rage. And the, then that you understand why I think, you, you, you know, you, you, some of you should not conceal carry. And there's all kinds of stuff going through your mind. And this road rage. Or maybe it's just financial trouble. And, you, you know, you get through the month. And you think, are we ever going to be able to just pay all the bills? Is it ever going to end? Is the, are the bills ever going to stop coming in? I've got more month at the end of my money than I do money at the end of my month. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. And it's just a bad day. 
Or you fought with your wife and kids. You don't even know why you fought. You ever just wake up in a bad mood, everybody? You don't know why. Just, you know, Mommy used to say it was the wrong side of the bed. I don't, I don't even, I, I wake up on the floor sometimes I'm in a bad mood. It's just a bad mood, everybody. I'm just, I'm, I'm biting everybody's head off. I have no reason to. I'm just, uh, you're, you're bad and you're bad. Both of my kids, you're both bad. I don't like you right now. Both of you. You don't even look like me. I don't even know if you are mine. Get out of here. Just, man, just, I just, everybody's in trouble. Every, I don't even know why. Just, daddy's, daddy's woke up with spanking on his mind. I'm yelling at Brandy. And, 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 and she'll let me go for a little bit, especially on a, you know, on a Monday morning when I'm kind of raw and, you know, after the weekend. And so, and then we'll get till about noon and I've yelled and, and fussed and tried not to cuss and done everything and, except cuss. And, 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 and around noon, she'll, she'll look at me across the table. She'll go, are you done? Is it, are you done now? Are we good now? No, we're not done now. And here, here we go again round two. I don't even know why. I just And maybe you're sort of living that. Has anybody's kids ever corrected you on your bad day? Anybody ever kids more spiritual than you are? Where are you at on that? Talking about, Daddy, what is your problem? My little girls, that I come home from church one Sunday, and I'm just not about you. I was fussing about the first service. Anyway, I fussed all about them and team. And it's just, I just, I didn't feel like we connected and worshiped. And I did bad and team and building and I'm just I'm mad at everything and we get we get home and, and Hazel my little girl starts talking about church and what she loves about City Hills and I'm like honey you don't love City Hills stop that we don't love City Hills today and she's like daddy you're the pastor you have to love City Hills and I think okay I'm and she's correcting your bad day it's it, it, it why are you so mad I don't even know why I'm so mad and honestly, there are people in there are people here, maybe under the sound of my voice, you just need to look straight ahead at me because I don't want I don't want your gaze to give it away who who it is you think in your life. There are people here who that they're sort of their whole life is this sort of it's always this kind of thing. They're always mad at something. There's always a problem. It's always negative. They're always down. They're always and listen, I've actually asked God, I do not here's what I said, write this down in your notes. I don't want a battlefield everywhere I go. I want to be a blessing everywhere I go. I don't want a battlefield in my home all the time. I don't want to come home and raise kids that are always around yelling and fussing and cussing and throwing and breaking stuff. And I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to work in an environment where everybody, you know, is scared. To t- you can't talk to her. You can't talk to him. You know how they are. If you say that one thing, they'll fly off the handle. It's going to go crazy. You know, you can't approach them. You can't. Let me give you a leadership lesson. It's not a leadership message. Let me just give you a leadership. The, the, the single greatest leadership quality of, any, of anybody anywhere in any position, ministry, on your job, in banking, and it doesn't matter where it is you are, the single greatest leadership quality you can possess for success in this life is teachability. It's teachability. It's, being, it's somebody being able to come to you and correct something in your life without you flying off the handle. But there are people in your life, you know them. There are people in your home. There are people that you can't say, honey, I don't think that's the right. That's right. I know this TV. I, I made this up. I, this is my thing. Baby, this is the wrong channel. I don't know what to tell you. This is the wrong. But you can't correct it because everywhere they go, there's a battlefield. And I will, listen to me, I don't want a battlefield everywhere I am. Even on my worst days. I want to be a blessing. I want my kids not to, not, not to grow up thinking, man, it was always yelling. They were always mad. It was always stressful. Are there times it's stressful? You bet they're wrong. Are there, is there stuff you know your kids don't know? You bet. Is there pressures from work that your wife doesn't know? You bet there are. Are, are there health crises that got you, you know, worried and stuff in your family and stuff in your extended family that nobody knows you're dealing with? Absolutely right. But you and I have a choice of how we respond on our worst days. Do we take it out on those who are the closest to us or do we take care of those 
who are the closest to us. Shout amen better than that, everybody. I'm asking God to help me with this. I really am. I'm asking God to help me steward my attitude on my bad days. Here's what Second Peter said. I found this verse. I thought this was really helpful. He said, His divine power, His God's power working in you, Second Peter 1, His divine power has given us, underline this in your Bible, everything that we need. Everything. You, you say, I, I just can't. I can't do this. I can't overcome. I, can't, I just can't pick it up. No, no, no. God's power has given you everything that you need for a, here's the next thing to underline, a godly life through a knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. That everything you need to live through your bad day, God's already given you through His divine power. You have everything you need. Everybody shout out loud, I've got it. Come on, shout louder than that, I've got it. No, you say, I, don't, I just don't have, I don't have the tool. I, don't, I wasn't raised in a home that saw a marriage like that. I, you know, I don't know how to cope with this. I don't know what to do with it. No, 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 you've got it. But you don't have it because you watch Dr. Phil and get a good, get a good line from Dr. Phil. Or Oprah, or, or, or how many of you watch Oprah's Masterclass? Don't lie, all the men. Y'all don't lie. I love it. Anyway, you can't get good advice there. You don't have power through that. Or Maury Povich. Y'all remember, <laughs> remember Maury Povich? The other day I was flipping through and I saw Maury Povich and it was like, back in the day it was good. Like Maury was good. You know what I mean? Now it's like my sister's sleeping with my uncle who's our gardener and what? It's just a case. And it was so crazy I watched three of them. But I, anyway. You're not going to get good advice through there. You're not going to get it through reading a book. Let me just be honest with you. I think you need to read all that you can read about it, but it's not going to work that way. It's not going to work through talking about it on Facebook. The people on Facebook are lying to you. Their marriages are hard too. It's not going to be by, by, by medic, self-medicating. It's going to be by the power of God working in your life. It's God's power. You are not trapped in your bad day. You are not trapped in your attitude. You are not powerless against your response to your bad day. Stop telling yourself. The enemy's convinced some of you, this is just how I am. This is just the way it's always going to. It will not always be that way if you don't want it to be. You can take care of those who are near you instead of taking it out on them. Because God's given us everything. God, God's, he can produce in you godliness. Godliness, everybody. I grew, up, I grew up with a misunderstanding of what godliness was. I want you to have a godly home. I want this church to be a godly church. I want you to be godly men. I want you to be godly women. I want you to be godly businessmen. If you cheat on your taxes and you cheat your customers, do not tell anybody you come to this church. Tell them you go. I was going to name another church. I'm not going to do it. Tell them you go somewhere else. If, if, I want you to be godly in your marriage. I want people in your job to look around. Does it mean your marriage is perfect? No. But I want people in your office to look around and go, man, I don't know what it is, but there's something about them. Like there's godliness in their life. You ever known a, probably your grandparents or your parents. You ever known somebody you just thought, man, that's a godly person. Like I, want, I was talking to a member of our team a couple of weeks ago. They had uh, went to lunch with another member of this church. One of the coolest things I get to see as a pastor is how God would connect you and your lives together and they went to this other couple's dinner, and they were a little bit older, you know, than them. And honestly, it was kind of a mentor. So, you know, this couple was in their kind of their midlife, approaching retirement. And this couple's already retired. And, and after, after all of that, I had met with the younger of the two couples, and she said to me, that's just the godliest woman. And she is. She's in first service. She's a remarkably godly person. And she said to me, now this woman's in her late 50s, and she says, I want that kind of godliness in my life. I want that pursuit of godliness in my life. Like I want, I want to be able to live like that. I want, how do I get what that is? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what godliness is. 
This is the best definition I can come up with. Godliness is living life for God and living life from God. Now, now listen to me. Where most people derail is they stop at trying to live life for God. Well, I'll just, if I do enough, I just, I don't have the power to do all of this. And then you feel like a failure because I can't get it right. I fly off the handle. I have a bad temper. I kick the dog. Hopefully you don't kick your kids, but I yelled at them and I yelled at my wife and I yelled at work and I cuss and I fuss and I cut somebody off and I gave the Texas wave on the way out of church, you know, or I did that thing like I'm, I'm trying to live my life for God. And honestly, this is the way I lived my most of my Christianity. I, I stopped at trying to live for God. The, the, the difference in that and what I'm trying to convince you to do is you don't have the power to do it in your own self. Real godliness is living for God and living from God. It's deciding it's His power in me that's going to change me. It's not me talking it out. It's not me reading it away. It's me taking my stinking attitude to God and going, Okay, God, I'm a jerk. Fix me. Okay, God, this is not working. My response isn't working. How I'm dealing with my bad day, this is not working. I'm helping some of y'all. Y'all don't just look straight ahead. Don't look at your partner. Come on. This is what I... I, God, you're going to have to help because I can't do this for you without doing it from you. I need the power of God. God gives you power to respond differently on your bad days. I told you this the other day, but you can't hate somebody you pray for. When you're in the middle of yelling and fussing, just stop. I promise you try this today. If you're in the middle of a fight, don't raise your hand right now with your spouse. Y'all just get in the car and before you talk, you know, something and say something, pop off, just just lean over and say, can we pray together? One of two things are going to happen. She's either going to punch you in the arm and then you're going to pray that you don't punch her in the arm and then... and. Uh, or, or, or you're going to tear down some of those defenses. You're going to tear. The, God, i got to have power to respond differently than this. When, instead of you just leaving the house, why don't you go get in the car and say, God, I'm not going anywhere. I need the power of God in my life. I will not be able to live this godly life unless you help me. When you walk into that office and you know that you're going to face that guy, that girl, that person, that, you know, that difficult person. If you don't know of a difficult person in your life, look at me. You're the difficult person in everybody else's life. If you can't think of who I'm talking about, everybody else is thinking about you. God, I need the power of God in my life to take care of those closest to me instead of taking out all of my frustration. Jesus is in His worst day and He looks down and He sees the people who are nearest Him near the cross are Mary. Mary the wife of Clopas. Mary His mother. John the beloved disciple. Jesus says, I could take this pain out on you, but instead I'm going to take care of you. You say, well, how do we do that? Let me give you some practical ways. Write these down. If you're taking notes, you know if you're not taking notes, you may go to hell. Number one, you got to, ident- <laughs> you got to identify that I'm going to raise a, a, a note-taking church if, <laughs> if, if, if hell fights it. you got to identify the real problem. Identify the real problem. My old pastor used to say, pastor I worked for, he used to tell me, Mitch, don't, don't ever believe the first thing they tell you. So when we would go to counseling, I'd sit, he would allow me to sit in on some of his counseling sessions. And this is older man, been doing it 40 years. And, and we'd sit there and, he, and he'd say, okay, tell me what's going on. And she'd say, and he'd say. And, they, and then 30 minutes would pass by and then he'd go, okay, now tell me, tell me what's going on. And I think, man, he's losing his mind. Bless his heart. Look at him. He's senile. He doesn't know he just asked that. And it, it really, and the answer of the second one was always different than the answer of the first one. 
because it never, he used to tell me this. He, he would tell me this right now if he was here. When, matter of fact, when I have him preach for you, he'll tell you this. It never is what it is. Never is what it is. It never is what it is. It, it never really is you not doing the dishes. Come on, everybody. It never really is. It, really, it never really is you picking up your drawers off the floor. Come on. If you're not from the South, your underwears, drawers in my home. You got to. It, it never really is about that. It never really is about. Never really is about that report at work that was. It never really is about that. You got to identify the real problem. You got to. You got to get to where we really are. And I believe it's probably even bigger than you think it is. Even when you think, well, now I've come to it. I think it's probably further than that. Here's what Ephesians says: For our struggle is not. Our struggle is real. But it's not against our boss, our spouse, our kids, our ex. Our, it's not against it. It's just not against them. It's not against flesh and blood. But it is against rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Listen to me. I tell you this often, but I'll tell you again. Everything in your life is spiritual. Everything. And I know you're looking at your partner and you're going, that joker ain't spiritual. Trust me on that right now. That joke, no, I didn't say what kind of spirit. It may be an evil spirit. I'm just telling you everything's spiritual in your life. There's everything spiritual in your life. Now, you're not in a church that believes there's a devil underneath every rock. I don't believe that. We don't go chasing booger man and devils. I don't think there's a devil under every rock, but I think there may be a devil under every other rock. Come on. Like I think there may be, I, 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 think, I think everything's more spiritual than you give it credit for. I think sometimes we just write it off. We say, oh, this is just, no, no, no. This could be an attack of the enemy in your life. I don't know why I can't get out of this funk. It's not just a funk. It could be the enemy attacking your life. Let me tell you something. In, in this church right now, I literally, I told my wife the other day, there's some things, not again, nothing you, there's just some things going on. It's not about that. It's not about that person. It's not about that situation. It's not about that issue. It's about the enemy attacking what God's doing in this church. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And you've got to identify the problem in your life. God, God, what's going on? The enemy, if he could, will divide and destroy everything in your life. Every close relationship. Everything that's right. He'll divide it and destroy it. And before you know it, now you're in your corner and they're in their corner and you're separate. And instead of taking care of those who are closest to you, you take it out on them. In the middle of your bad day, you start hurting and overreacting and making blanket statements. How many of you do this? You always do that. You ever said that? You never do this. Well, none of those two things are true. But when you get in the, you, when you get in the corner, this is what you say. It, it's awful. It's, a, you, it's never going to work. Really, what's wrong is I got wounded at work, but I didn't tell you what was going on. It's, the problem's not even with you. The problem's something I'm dealing with over here. It's spiritual, everybody. Come on, shout. It's spiritual. It's spiritual, everybody. You gotta, and so if you're going to win it, you're going to have to win the war in the spiritual. It's why I tell you, you've got to have a, a daily prayer life. You've got to get in God's Word. If you're not praying before you go to school and go to work every day, how do you think? Your, your kids are not just acting up. Listen to me. It's spiritual in fifth grade, everybody. It's spiritual in preschool. It's spiritual on your job. It's spiritual in your bedroom. You, everything in your life that you're dealing with, it's spiritual. And if you're going to handle it, you're going to have to handle it in the Spirit. That deserves a better amen than you just said. Pray about it. Pray about it. Read God's Word. You're going to have to fight it in the Spirit. Amen, everybody? Here's the second thing. i got to hurry because I'm hungry. It's 1 o'clock, everybody. I'm hungry right now. <laughs> it's not really 1. Y'all are going to get up and go. Number two, you're going to have to avoid the pity party. Avoid, avoid the pity party. It's pretty practical today. Avoid the pity. Ain't no party like a pity party because a pity party don't stop. Where y'all at? Y'all know a pity party don't stop. 
Y'all know, you, you know people, don't look at them in this room. You know people that just, they just, it's a pity party all the time. They, just, they bring hats and pity party. I'm talking about it's time. And they just sit over there in the car. I see you <laughs> sulking in your seat. You just sit there, just looking at everybody like this. And, that. and then you invite somebody to walk over. Tell, hey, what's wrong? Everything okay, Carly? Everything? It's fine. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> well, that doesn't seem like everything's fine. No, it's fine. Whatever. I hate you. I hate this. Doesn't matter. What, Carly, I'm here, I'm here to help you. You're not here to help. You're here to hurt me. I hate you. Get away. Carly's never done that. It's just a pity party. You just, when you, when you throw a pity party, you want to invite everybody over. And if you don't feel sorry for me, you're not invited to my party. Everybody should feel sorry for me. Everybody should be sad like me. Everybody, and, and you'll notice it becomes a culture. I'm pre- God, I'm preaching right now. It becomes a culture in your family. I know people that never have good days because it would ruin their party. The problem's already over with. You've already forgiven him in your heart, but you won't tell him that because it would ruin your pity party. Oh, that just helps somebody. That hurt me. That's going to leave a mark on somebody. You invite everybody over. I've, you invite all. I feel terrible. Me too. Come sit by me. I, you, this is horrible. I know it is. Come sit by me, girl. Come on. Come on. My, my life's over with. I know it is. Come on, dude. Let's go out for drinks. It's over. Let's just have a pity party. Everybody, everybody's bad. It's all terrible. Now listen to me. We've all had painful days. We've all had hurtful days. They're real things. I'm not minimizing your bad day. But in the deep south, I'm from Arkansas. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It's the only way I know how to tell it to you. You can't waller around in your bad day you know what wallering is everybody know what that is you from Arkansas old pig get down in the mud and just wallers around it it's like he enjoys it you ever seen a pig do that I'm showing where I'm from I'm so, I'm so rural Brandy would tell me get in the car don't ever tell rural jokes like that again you just wall. They do it in East Texas, Danielle. Don't lie about it. They, you just they just wallow around inside the mud, and you look at them, and they look. Ha- you think I, I want to get you out of there and clean you up? Don't clean me up. I like it in this mud. I don't want a solution. I want a pity party. And you will not be able to take care of those closest to you if you just keep throwing pity parties for yourself. If you just stay in it. That's why First Peter says it like this: Cast all of your anxiety on Him. Cast all of your cares on Him because He cares for you. You got to give it to God. You, you, he's the only one that can carry it for you. Not your friends. Not somebody around you. Not anybody on Facebook. God can. The parable of the sower in the New Testament said that the sower went to throw seed on the ground, and that the cares of this life choked out the word of God. Listen to me. If you don't learn how to cast your cares on God, then you'll come to church Sunday after Sunday, and I'll declare the word of God over your life. But the cares that you carry will choke it out. And by Monday morning, it's already dead. It's already been choked out of your life. Why? Because you're carrying around your own cares. Instead, when you come to church, when you get in God's presence, on a Monday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday morning, you go to God and you cast all of that anxiety on Him. You literally pick it up. It literally means to throw it at Him. I just throw it. Just you got to get off of me. Get, I'm not carrying this anymore. Get off of me. And avoid the pity parties. Is that helping anybody say amen to that? Some of us carry our cares like little babies that we just love them. Look at this little care. Look at this. And you wear it like a badge of honor. You just coddle it. Oh, this is my care. Honey, I could help you with that. No, you can't help me with this. I want to carry it. I just love it. Look at this. And you feed it and you feed it and you just feed this little care. And those are sweet. You just talk to it and you just. And, 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 and you come to church and I tell you, hey, you don't have to carry that. Don't tell me that, preacher. I want it. I want to carry it. I want to carry this hurt. I want to carry this offense. I want to worry about it. Well, we, somebody can help you with it. No, I don't want nobody to help me with it. I want to carry it just like this. 
And we coddle our cares instead of casting our cares. Amen, everybody? You got to avoid the pity party. Here's the third thing I got to hurry. You got to learn how to live a connected life. If you're going to take care of those closest to you, nearest to you in your bad day, learn to live a connected life. The blood is flowing from the face of Jesus. Barely recognizable. Isaiah says he's, you can't, his visage is marred is the, actual, is the translation in Isaiah. You, you can't recognize his face. And he looks down to those closest to him. And he gives Mary and John a glimpse of belonging. In his worst day, I want you to get connected. Even in his pain, even in his hurt, he speaks to their future. He puts family together. He he, he forges a family at the foot of the cross, which by the way is the only way your family is going to work. Which by the way is the only way your marriage is going to work. He forges this family together in his worst day. Listen, there is no greater place for a family to get connected than at the foot of the cross in God's house. I'm just telling you, I know this sounds like a sales pitch because it is. You will never find a way out of your bad day unless you get connected to a family who can get you out of it. You'll never find your way out. It's, it's why I talk about growth track. Step two is going on right now. There's people in growth track right now. It's, if you didn't get in today, get in. And, on Easter Sunday in second service, we're having growth track. Our team said, we doing growth track on second? You bet we are. Sure we are. Because I need people to take a step. I want you to get connected to family. Because some of you are living through your worst days. And if you don't live a connected life. Let me tell you something about this dream team. It's not just people setting this church up. Which by the way, at 4.30 this morning when their alarms went off. And you were just... These are heroes in this house. Amen, everybody. These are the heroes of our house. But this dream team's not about getting work done. Look at me. Listen to me. It's not just about getting work done. The work's getting done. I want you on a team because I need you to connect to other people who are like you. People who will carry your load with you. Because you, you can live through your bad day. He knew. He looks at his mother who's weeping. And can you imagine as a mom the pain she's going through? And he looks at John, his best friend, the beloved disciple. And he says, let me help you. I, I know what will help you most through your bad day is if you get connected. That's why I tell you to get in a group. I don't, I don't want you to get in a group just to study a book. Study a book. Go through a Bible study. Oh, that's amazing. I want you to do. There's some great. Conrad and Melissa lead a great marriage smoke. I want you to get in that group by, by Jimmy Evans. It's a fantastic group. I want you to get. There's a cooking group. That's a Come on, somebody. I don't care about the cooking part. I care about the eating part. Where you at? Come on. I don't care what group you get in. I don't care what you do. You can do a Bible study. You can cook Mediterranean food. I don't. You can cook Mediterranean food and invite me to your Bible study, FYI. I don't care why you get in a group. Listen to me. The most important thing about your group is not what you do. It's who you do it with. It's that, that the groups are not to gossip and talk about what's wrong. And No, no, no. My groups to support me through my bad day. They're there for me. It's living a connected life. It's John... You're going to face some dark days. Maybe my mom can help out. Mom, it's going to get worse before it gets better. John will take care of you. It's living a connected life. I love this. I love this. Acts 10 is talking about a righteous man. The Bible says this about him. He and, underline this, all of his family were devout and God-fearing and gave generously 
to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Listen to me. Uh, when, you, when you do this with your family, when you attend church with your family, that's devout. There's something that happens in your life. When, 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 you, when you give as your family, well, I, I remember growing up, I grew up in church, my mom and dad would tithe and when I got my allowance, they would, they would take the first 10% of what they gave me in allowance and they would let me put it in a tithing envelope and bring it to church with me. Why? Because we're going to do this as a family. Now here I am in 40 years old still putting God first teaching my babies how to tithe why? because we do this as a family we give generously as a family we're going to live this connected together everybody and then we're going to pray together everybody I know it's cliche I know you've said it a thousand times but the, the family that prays together it just happens it just it really is when you do it with all your family he said he and all of his family did this together there's something about staying connected to family to live through your bad day. There's something about living a connected life, getting with other people, getting with people in this church, people like you. There's nothing makes, I'm telling you, nothing makes me happier than when I see connecting happening. But I don't care what you're connecting over lunch today or, or, or a group this week or, or a leadership academy tonight or, or, or a serve team and kids ministry, all of that. The what is not as important as I want you to live a connected life because it will be the only way you live through your bad day. The only way you'll take care of those near you instead of taking it out on those near you. And here's the last thing, and we're closing. Come on, Henry, come play. Here's the last thing. If you're going to live through your bad day, you're going to have to learn how to look to Jesus. If you're, going, if you're going to be able to take care of those who are closest to you, the nearest ones to you, instead of taking it out on them, you ultimately have to come to God for this. And, and I, I honestly think this is the way God designed it. That's why He calls Himself author and finisher. This is so interesting about God. Listen close. In Revelation, he would call Jesus Alpha and Omega, author and finisher. It's always bookend. It's always first and last. It's never middle. <laughs> because in the middle, how you live through it is you, each other. God says, I'll be there in the beginning and I'll save you and I'll be there in the end when it's all over. But in the middle, I'm going to give you power to work it out together. I'm going I'm to I'm put my spirit in you, the Holy Spirit working in you, power inside of you, that divine power to live a godly life. And I, I think Jesus designed it this way, that when you get to the end of your rope, the author and finisher of our effort, when you get to the end, he says, okay, God, I, like, I, we got to have help. And maybe you're there today. And you've tried to build your marriage on something other than Jesus. You've tried to build your, you've tried to live through your bad day on anything other than Christ. And listen to me, it just will not work. It will never stand. You got to learn how to look to Jesus. To be able to take care of those who are closest to you instead of taking it out on those who are closest to you. You got to make a decision to do this as a family. Get in a group, get on a team. This Easter, start serving. Start making it about others instead of just yourself. Bring your whole family to church this Easter. Bring the people who are closest to you. Nothing to get you through your bad day like watching them get through theirs. Maybe you're in church today and you know what it's like to take it out on the people who are closest to you. Maybe you do that when work gets hard. When the money runs out. When you get that email or that text message, it just ruins everything. And I want, I want you to learn how to take care of those. Because honestly, they know you the best. Jesus looks down and says, John, you know, you know me. You know how. Take care of my mom. Mary... Mama, take care of my friend. 
I'm going to live through this bad day if I know you can live through yours. I can handle this pain if I know that you're taken care of. You can live through yours if you'll learn how to take care of those who are nearest. 